already been written. It's like, now here's another second piece um, because I've heard so much recently about parallel lives. Mm -hmm. oh, where was it? I heard, oh, well, and then um, the old Twilight Zones, right? I, it was a few days ago. I, I flipped on one of those and it was talking about parallel universe. And I really feel like you know, when the students are ready, the teacher will come. And I think I'm hearing more and more people describe these other places or the world in, in this particular world, the Twin Towers were still standing. Right, yeah. Things that happen. You got to accentuate the positive. Wow! I feel good. A little bit of feel good goes a long way. You're listening to Karen Swain, teacher of deliberate creation, accentuating the positive, showing you a way to a better life. Accentuating the positive, it's not just bad, it's sanity. Who in their right mind would accentuate anything else? Karen here, welcome to another show, Accentuating the Positive with Karen Swain. So wonderful to be with you all again, as always. Here we are in 2022. Another wild ride ahead of uh, for us this year. I can't tell you how much drama is happening around me with people, deaths and sickness and all sorts of things happening. But as spiritual light weavers here to bring the light to the planet, it's not for us to get too swept up in the drama. It's for us to stay centered in our knowing that all that is happening happens for us and not to us. And today I want to introduce you to a wonderful woman who's had an amazing near-death experience, Claudia Watt-Edge. Welcome to the show, Claudia. Thank you. Thank you. Great to be here. I'm looking forward to exploring your, you know, your lessons and your stories more. You've had an amazing experience and continue to. And uh, let me read your bio. And please remember, if you're liking the shows, to hit that bell button, the subscribe button, and leave us a comment. Tell us what you think. It really helps the algorithms and helps share the shows because I've turned off all the ads on the YouTube channel, did it a while ago. And when I did, my subscription plummeted and YouTube stopped sharing the shows. It's a business. They want to make money. Fair enough. And if they're not making money, they're not interested. So it's up to you guys to share the shows so that we can grow, we can spread the love. Let me tell you about Claudia. Claudia Edge had a profound NDE in 1984. It was a little while ago <laughs> when she and her baby daughter died together in a sea of blood and pain. Sounds gory. She has been researching NDEs and spiritual phenomena ever since. Claudia has written now three award-winning books, including two books called Gifts from the Edge, one, Stories from the Other Side, and the second book, Lessons from the Other Side, a continuing series of dream experiences in a place she calls Spirit School, where she's given connecting pieces of the spiritual puzzle to be shared with the world through parables and short stories. You know, it's so interesting that you're sharing it through short stories and parables because the guides that communicate with me do the same and uh you know the, you know the bible was written in parables and short stories because the human mind really he hears the story like i've listened to so many profound spiritual teachers i remember wayne dyer one of the most beautiful spiritual mm -hmm. teachers and he wrote so many books about 
you know, this is what you should do, like instructional books, all fabulous information. But my poor little linear human mind couldn't remember any of it. Mm -hmm. But when he told a story, I remembered the story and therefore I remembered the lesson from the story. So congratulations for that. That's why I put people's stories on the show so people learn through other people's stories. Right, right. Claudia has been called a modern-day mystic with an ability to pull back the curtain between the worlds and beyond. Her recently released third book, We Touched Heaven, is a global connection of transformational spiritual experiences and is getting nods from the NDE community. They're getting nods, (laughs) including Dr. Raymond Moody, who's calling the book terrific. Okay, well, let's go back to 1984 and, and, and hear what happened. Your daughter and you died together. She came back? You came back? You both came yeah. back? Yeah, we both came back. So uh, when, you, was... when you had the shared experience, were you together in an astral world, in the spirit world? Or anyway, you know, I'll let you tell the story. It's a great question, and I'll, and, and I'll answer it now in case I don't get to it. You know, you start getting into the story. And she's the one that had the beautiful little twins that are is living with me right now. And she, she's wonderful, beautiful, all of that, that we went through together. But I, I had pondered why, you know, had I seen her on the other side or whatever. And she really had never taken a mortal breath. She was still in utero when they, she had drowned in my blood. And so, um, she was still of, of the spirit world. Basically, her soul had not, um, I guess, experienced earth yet. So that made sense to me why I didn't see her. So, all right. Well, yeah, 1984, I was getting ready to have my fifth and last baby. I was, my due date was within a few days. And I, I, uh, I speak about intuition because I did have an intuition Um, It had been brought up to me that I had had four other children, um, successfully healthy children, that maybe I should just save money and have a midwife. Now, I'm not disparaging midwives at all. I have a dear friend that does that type of work, honestly. But something within me said, you know, that's just, no, that's not for me. And so it was the first intuition in this um, saga that I followed and The second was um, this day I had gone into a contraction and my uterus was quite hard and just like a rock and it was not releasing and I tried to go about my day but it just never released and I started to feel like that the baby might be in some kind of distress and I followed an intuition that said you know get to the hospital and just have this checked. I knew it wasn't labor type contractions, but let's go have this checked. So at the hospital, um, I was in, I was encouraged to walk around and try to get something kind of moving. But I, third intuition, I just didn't feel like I was supposed to leave that particular area near the nurse's station. And I went back after they sent me out for a walk within like five minutes, I came back. And I said, I honestly, I just don't feel right. Something is not quite right. And she said, well, let's get a gown on you, you know. And so in the, you know, in doing that, um, I noticed 
some large drops of blood started to fall. And um, I got nervous, you know, I'm not <laughs> used to that. And looking on this tile floor, my bare feet, and, and I rang for the nurse. And, you know, she was trying to calm me down and, you know, just say, you know, this, this is okay. It's, you know, we'll, we'll get through it. But at that time, um, it was like this bucket just dropped of um, right between my legs, just blood everywhere. It, it was um, blast or, I mean, it was just so horrendous that it was everywhere. It was on the floor. It was on our legs. It was on the walls. It was, um, and it was so much blood. It, I mean, it just looked like this huge bomb of blood had gone off. And of course, both of us, you know, now the nurse is going, you know, not saying, oh, this is normal. <laughs> She's pushing me down on a gurney that was laying nearby. Now, this is still an examination. Well, I had been in the uh, changing room where I saw this. So we were in the next room over, which is just an examination room. But there was a gurney kind of table there. And she pushed me onto that and started screaming code. You know, it was like this, the blood was just rushing and I was in no pain at that time just like what the heck is going on and an intern they found an intern because my doctor had been called and said eh, she's not even really having contractions so no worries and this young intern came in the room and I had I gave myself into his hands I just said, please save my baby. I didn't know what was going on, but please, as a mother, this is, you know, save my baby was my concern. And as I, uh, he took one look at, assessed the room and said, this woman's got two minutes of blood left. I mean, it was that quick. Now we're talking, I had been in that back room for less than maybe five minutes, something like that. My husband was in an uh, adjacent room filling out insurance forms. He had no idea that this was happening and that I'm now in a life and death situation. And um, it's really interesting, you know, when you think I'm, you're in a situation that you could die, you know, um, but to have someone tell you you're dying, you know, it's, it's like, and you wonder your whole life, you know, am I going to be hit by a bus or be in a car accident or, you know, some kind of awful disease or, you know, what is going to be my demise? You know, we've all thought of that from time to time. And I, so I laid there and thought, this is, this is mine. This is how I'm going. And I was, I tried to stay calm. I, um, I had lost my dad. Um, my dad died when I was 16. It was a really horrific accident at work and I missed him and as I was contemplating dying knowing I was dying and my expression of sadness over my children and, and who was going to be left behind because I was completely lucid again I wasn't in pain my eyes were completely wide open I had no type of anesthesia, you know, not, I ha didn't have oxygen. I was just, you know, laying there in this position of 
of my life draining away. And I could tell something was happening because I was going blind. I started not to be able to see what was happening. The lights were really dimming above me and I kept trying to, to see if they were still on, but my hearing had become really acute. I could hear everything in the hospital, pockets of um, conversations that wasn't just a collection of noise like a you know cafeteria or something you know it, a low roar it was I could hear specific conversations if I just tuned in and that was interesting and so as uh as this young doctor came in he took a scalpel and basically cut me from stem to stern for this um yeah for an easy, accessible exit for the baby. This is an emergency C-section, not the, the nice um, bikini ones across the belly that they can kind of fix later. This was <laughs> hold her down and let's get that baby out and, um, and see why she's bleeding so profusely. And I'll add right here because I forget and then people go crazy in the comments, you know, what happened was my placenta, the placenta is necessary for the baby, it feeds the baby, keeps the baby in good health and growing and everything. It's that in between the mother and child that regulates blood and, and amniotic fluid and everything. It's a very necessary organ that had been collecting blood, had been pumping into the organ, but it was for some reason it was not exiting. And so after hours and hours of this blood collection, it had gotten really hard and it was, you know, extremely taut to the point where it finally exploded. And so it wasn't a, uh, I've heard it called like an abrevia or, you know, something, the placenta ripping from the wall or something. It literally, they called it living shrapnel. It exploded within my entire um, cavity and um, yeah, <laughs> to be graphic, sorry, audience. But so as I laid there before in absolutely no pain, um, as they cut me, um, I, it was a uh, yeah weird sensation. What is, how do you even express um, what that felt like? It felt like salt in a wound. It wasn't as horrible as you would think. That scalpel is sharp. It stings. Um, and, but it, I thought, oh my goodness, I think I can handle this. If I just lay here and be calm and not let my heart race, you know, I'll just, but when they, I noticed that a, a nurse was wrapping this great rope around her arm like it was a garden hose. And I, and, and the pain was so horrific. I realized, oh my goodness, that's my intestines because they have to move you know, your parts to get to the baby. And it, it was just it, that pain. Again, words cannot express. I've never experienced anything like that. Hope I never do again. But I kept thinking. So were they doing this all without anesthetic? With no anesthesia, no nothing, not even an aspirin. Just Gosh. hold hold me down, arms and legs. And me, all I wanted to do was jump you know, off that gurney and run, you know, it's like you're trying to hold, but, but I had the presence of mind to try and hold still 
to a, you know, to be a good patient and, you know, save my own life and my baby's life. So I was really trying to be good, but uh, I'll insert that there was so much blood, they were slipping around all around me in it. This sweetest um, woman uh, came in with a mop and, you know, the bucket and the mop, and she was trying to get around so that they could you know, be stable in this arena around me. And at one point, because I had been held down, you know, the only thing I could move were my fingertips. And she leaned in to kind of, I guess, do a little mopping right there. And I could, and I grabbed her and I grabbed her right here in her underpinning of her arm <laughs> and grabbed what I could grab. And I was <laughs> held on to her and she her knees just buckled just she just dropped as far as she could but I couldn't let go and I I was trying to mouth I'm sorry to her as I knew I was just hurting her so badly but I couldn't let go and it was about that time where I just I'd I'd had enough you know it was just um I just couldn't take any more I saw the walls of the room, the, there was no ceiling any longer and the walls were becoming fluid. They were like almost liquid-like and they were waving. Everything started to just um, kind of, I'm thinking of the word crumble, but it wasn't crumble, but it was, it, it just changed. Everything changed and it was coming inward and I was lucid enough and it had heard of of uh, near-death experiences after my father died. I listened to, you know, everything, not listened. It wasn't like this then, but read books or whatever I could get as far as an NDE. And so I thought, oh my goodness, as I was going blind and kind of going back into darkness, I was pulling backwards and here the walls were coming with me. I thought, oh, this is the tunnel. I know what this is, uh, you know, this is, this is what they've talked about is this tunnel. And about that time, I popped out of my body. And I wanted to express to the audience that, of course, the hurt part, the dying part hurt, okay? But, the, but death itself was easy. It was a soft, quick pop. And I was out of my body. It was um, like a changing of frequency or air. I've described it before as like a, a children's, um, you know, those pop guns where it's a rubber gun and they put a ping pong and, you know, they push the air out and it pops. That's what it seemed like to me was just this. And, and you know, um, a soft hearing of like chimes. Um, and, but I, and I was free and it was, and I remember I, I, kind of floated throughout the hospital there's uh, I've written you know some of the stories and I and I want to get to some of the really good stuff so I won't take a ton of time on that but there was a point where I I was following the music and the music was the theme song from MASH I don't know <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs> and I was in a man's room he was had mash on TV, and I, for some reason I was there by his side. But after a few moments, he he, I could tell that he didn't know I was there. And as soon as I had that thought of, I must be dead because 
it, everything was so natural. Floating through walls was natural. <laughs> you know, it, it's, it was, it was simple. It was easy. I've done it before. I wasn't afraid. You know, it was, it was like muscle memory. It's like, Oh, I'm out of the body. You know, let's go be free. It was that simple. So I wanted to express to the audience, it's not something to fear. It's you've done it so many times before. It's easy, right? You you'll remember. And, um, yeah, as soon as I thought, you know, I must be dead, I'm in another place. And I was in this expanse, this perfect, sorry, I cry because I grasp so hard for the words to describe the, how amazing this place was that I couldn't see anything. It was all feeling. It was so dark, but it it was intelligent, it was conscious, it knew me, it held me, cradled me lovingly. I was in so much the enormity of love for me that I could have stayed there forever. I was completely satisfied, you know, it, nothing, there was nothing that could top that feeling, nothing, you know, um, I've been asked, you know, did you have a body? I don't know, I couldn't see anything, <laughs> but I, but it was perfect. I was there, I, everything, this Claudia, this mind, this, the memories, I, everything came with me to this place. I was exactly me. And I was so comfortable until I heard someone calling me this, this ear, I could hear this awful sound and it was a nurse or, you know, the saying, Claudia, Claudia, come back, you know, your baby's alive and she needs you. And, and I was just, you know, I wasn't having any of it. I, I knew my baby had perished. I had seen my, sorry, don't want to, didn't, wasn't even going to say that part, but you know, it's an awful thing to see a, a baby that is, you know, not alive. And I knew that she wasn't. So this voice, this, because I was so used to this quiet environment, this peace and um, whatever transpired as far as um, trying to get an understanding of where I was, was telepathic. It was not a spoken thing. And here words were coming into my perfect environment and they were scratchy and rough and awful sounding. It, just the human voice, you know, compared to a telepathic um, understanding is so irritating. <laughs> and I just, I wanted to push her away and just kind of, you know, roll back deeper into this perfect darkness. But eventually, and I thought, okay, what I'm going to do, because she wouldn't let up, I thought, I'm just going to say no. I'm just going to like, I don't want to come back or whatever. But as soon as I thought of, you know, how to even say that, you know, using voice, it was like I, I was back in my body. So my perfect, yeah, <laughs> visit, you know, and I came back to the body completely confused of where I had been because I had never, I hadn't fainted. I hadn't, I didn't have anesthesia. I didn't go into a, 
you know, a pharmaceutical sleep from medication or anything like that. I was, I, I came back completely lucid as well. So it's like, what, what just happened? This was not like any other near-death experience story that I had read in all those years from 16, now I'm 31. So I'd spent many years um, reading doc, Dr. Raymond Moody's books and who, whomever I could get a hold of. Um, it didn't match. It didn't make sense. And I had grown up in this place, uh, uh, this state of heavy religion. You know, it was like, I didn't, I didn't want to say I had gone to darkness. I was afraid of the connotation of good, bad, you know, evil, you know, uh, that because they had asked me in the hospital, because I had gone through this in the raw, basically, um, they called me pioneer woman. And so I was getting um, visitors, you know, asking questions. And I, and one of the first visitors, you know, she was trying to have me describe the pain, which I still, after all these years later, there, there isn't words to describe that kind of pain. But the second question was, when you were dead, it was a teaching hospital and there was no, um, you know, it was, you were dead. You were, I was, they called me more gray. I mean, I had bled out how I'm here right now. I don't know. I'm, you know, I'm, all I know is that he performed two miracles in my baby and I survived. Um, again, this was 1984. So, you know, the, the thought wasn't, as open to NDEs or whatnot, but there was someone doing research on it and they asked me, you know, when, when you were dead, what did you, did you see anything or hear anything? Did you talk to any, you know, there were these questions and I, I was like, no. And, and she, and she was like, you know, had you gone anywhere? And I, I just said, I went to darkness and it kind of, it wasn't the answer, I think, that they were looking for. And God bless her, but something went across her face that, that seemed negative to me. Seemed like it wasn't the response that she was looking for, the garden, grandma, you know, seeing all the wonderful things on the other side, that I went to blackness. I could, I guess, and, and we're empathic, right? I mean, it was, it was something that just went across her face when I was trying to be truthful and answer her question that really turned me off. And I thought, okay, if a researcher of this didn't get it, how am I supposed to explain this to my neighbors or my mom or, you know, all of these people who are, you know, so much into religion that are going to, start thinking I was, must be bad or something, you know? And you start questioning yourself. Like I had this beautiful experience, sacred, you know, I just kept it, it in my heart for so, you know, still it's, it, it's mine, it's special. And, and to try and share that with someone else who might spoil it, you know, put some kind of dirty thought to it it was like no I'm keeping it in my special spot and it's mine and I'm going to keep it there and so I didn't talk about it I could talk about 
you know, being cut open and all that kind of stuff. But for 30 years, I couldn't, I couldn't say a thing. Yeah. I just, I listened and studied and wanted to know more. And I got involved with IONS and was, you know, at a conference and they had put experiencer on, on the lanyard that I was wearing, but I kept turning the lanyard on the other side because I didn't want somebody to ask about my experience. It, I wasn't ashamed of it, but I, it was like, there was a, a kind of a bit of jealousy. Somebody who had this amazing story of, you know, um, where they had gone and who they had seen and what they learned and you know and then then they come back and they write this marvelous book about it and I'm going yeah I went to some darkness <laughs> you know and it's like what <laughs> and I hadn't you know I think we were a lot of us were in the closet uh, you know not knowing what to do with that till you know I, I've heard of so much of that now so many more that have talked about the void right the the wonderful, beautiful um, place, this immense blackness and, and, and in hearing the void, to me, that's not the word I use because of my connotation. And that's the problem with our language, right? Everything that we say, you know, we respond differently to different terms. And to me, void says, it's nothing, but it was everything. So for me to say it was like void of something, it just, it doesn't gel for me. That doesn't work for me. So in our limited language, you know, and I'll, and I'll expand on that too. It's like, you know, what works when you have a show like this and you have amazing diversified guests, right? We're all so different. We all have such a different story and we all have such a different delivery of our stories, yeah, you know? Yeah. And we, and, you know, I'll, I'll look at some, uh, and I, and I listened to her, her program, Bianca, and she just had this in, in her titles and, you know, all of these mystical, wonderful words and shaman this and, and everything. I was like, oh my goodness, you know, that it's like when, when people, you know, study and learn and go, you know, and, and travel the world and, and look for the answers, you know, in, in their way. And here I am, I, you know, I've been in a couple of states in my life, right? And it's kind of like what I get, it, I, I didn't, I, I did study um, NDEs and, and another spiritual phenomena, but it wasn't that I went to um, classes or expanded beyond what I was getting myself. And I'll get into it that a little deeper, but. Yeah. I heard you say on another show that after you decided n never to talk about it, you still studied it, but you just got on with the rest of your life, got married, had children, you know, mm -hmm. normal mm -hmm. life. Mm -hmm. rather than going to Peru and sitting at the foot of the shaman like Bianca right, right. <laughs> and having ayahuasca ceremonies like all the you know younger generation are now god love the younger generation yeah, yeah. a couple of things I, I want to ask you well I just want to just before we I just wanted to say you know terminology is such a big thing you know because we've got this telepathic ability on the other side nothing is misunderstood but if I'm if I happen to use a word on your show, Karen, that turns somebody off, you know, I'm sorry. It's like we we pull in what we grew up with, you know, um, God is comfortable 
or heavenly father is comfortable or sources, you know, our creator, you know, whatever. And I try and throw different terminology out there. And, you know, because there are some words that used to turn me off and I don't want to turn off the message. So I think we're all necessary on like your program to deliver in our way. And I just, I hope that I, that the words I have touch those, you know, those that will kind of look at it, hold it up to the light and examine uh, it. Darling, you're doing a stellar job. You know, verbal communication is such a poor way to communicate. <laughs> I think I think there's like 90% of the communication we have with people we get through really what is awareness and uh, telepathy or empathy. You know, we get those, just like you said, it's a very normal state to look at the expression on someone's face and to feel what they're really saying rather than the words coming out of their mouth. That, right. that's, that's normal for most people. Uh, unless you're listening to a podcast where you can't see people, but you know there is these these visual clues and 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 feeling what people are saying. We all operate like that. We just we're not most people, not you and I, and the consciousness or spiritual community, but they're just not aware that they're operating like that. Uh, but a couple of things I wanted to ask you. So I'm I'm getting a, an image of your daughter watching the whole thing happen from her. Oh, wow. From her perch in spirit, you know, like, again, words, not the best way to, but she's watching this, like, you know, you said uh, she was a baby, so the consciousness or soul hadn't really entered the body at this point. I was listening to Michael Tamori yesterday, one of my favourite teachers, who was also on Third Eye Salon. He's one of the master teacher. I've had him on my show many times and we'll get him back this year. And someone asked him, when does the soul enter the body and he said well I don't know when other people's do but when I did it was after birth and he said you know there's a choice that when you can enter if you want to go and have the experience of being all cramped up inside and feel that he said you can do that but most people think nah that looks too squishy for me I'll come in after birth so with your daughter I'm thinking it was the same thing that oh, wow yeah. I did hear something um you know, at, at, that it's a choice, absolutely, that there is kind of an agreement, mm -hmm. you know, with the body, the kind of the animal, the human animal and the spirit kind of, you know, they have to kind of join and be in a togetherness or whatnot. So some, some like to come in early and get that all set up that, you know, that there's an acceptance there, the body accepts that soul and all that. It's kind of interesting. Yeah. I can't remember where I heard that from. That's not from me. There's That's a merging of the consciousness of the body and the consciousness of the soul because mm -hmm. the body is conscious and the mm -hmm. body can exist without the soul being in it. Right. Uh, right. People in coma, even it can be animated and eat and everything. I've seen it in old people's homes. I remember going to see a, a co my, co my dad's cousin who was in her late, uh, her husband in her late, and we used to go to this old, and there was a woman next door that had been there for years and I looked into her room and she was sitting up in a chair and eating, not communicating, but eating. And there was like, there's no soul in that body, you know, mm. and the husband was tending to her and had been for years and she wasn't there. And wow. I'm like, wow. Anyway, yeah. it was really fascinating. That's another story. But um, yeah. so did your daughter remember any of this? Like, has she had any no regression or anything? No. So when she's so not in this realm that even oh. if she I don't know. I don't even think she would talk about it if something came. Maybe one day. But, oh, yeah. 
when oh. you before you left your body you noticed that the baby was born and it appeared it was like pronounced dead the nurses pronounced it dead did they revive her they re, um they revived her and she she was basically a drowning victim right she, she had so much blood in her lungs exactly. and stuff right my blood in her lungs and so what they did they were i mean i I was out, so I don't know, but this mm. is what I heard afterwards. Mm -hmm. Knew that they were checking her blood gases mm -hmm. every hour. And I knew that they, you know, they were saying if she lives two hours, or if she lives four hours, or if she makes it through the night. And they didn't know um, what her mental ca capacity would be if she had been damaged or whatnot. So they were really watching her, but she was basically. Um, you know whatever pumped or got the blood out of out of her lungs and then watched to see what she did and she was wonderful it took a while but she's wonderful and now she's in her 40s is it yeah 80s, yeah, 80s. Yeah. Uh, look yeah. i'm amazed that you found the nde stuff back in the 80s i'm like go girl you know that oh. was because you know before the internet and you found well, dr raymond moody you know, and i grew in a up in, in a religion that God bless them. They did believe in the afterlife. Uh -huh. you know? so that was not poo-pooed. Yeah. You know? So there were even, um, you know, books within the church of that. So wow. I read, I read everything, you know, it was yeah. kind of, it was, I lost my dad in 69. So it was the seventies. Wow. Yeah. Out. But, yeah. The seventies uh, was an amazing, amazing, the sixties yeah. and the seventies, an amazing revolutionary period. And mm. much like we're going through, you know, in the exactly. 2020s, we're going through another revolutionary right. period where the status quo is being, um, you know, resisted by, by the, by many. Anyway, that's another conversation. Another yeah. conversation, another question I had was when you, came back into your body had they already stitched you up I mean when they were stitching you up and everything were you out when I when I came back to my body I was still in the room but I they had put an oxygen or something they were holding something down on my face and um you know because I, I woke up and I was resisting that again being held down and whatnot so they were in the process of stitching me and doing all of that and I was I was only in that condition in that pop back to the body. And then, you know, it was pretty much, I was pretty out of it. I mean, we, for, for days and days um, afterwards, but I, but I, I did remember that pop. Yeah. So how you popped back in like a pop. Yeah. 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 When you, uh, they had already, by that point you'd had some, anesthetic right they were like they managed to get some anesthesia into you at that point i, I as far as <laughs> surely, I know, surely. Yeah, sorry yeah. i'm getting into the gory details well, i don't know I, why i'll i'll answer so because the because i have had people say well why was the hospital so ruthless you know <laughs> this is all you know they had to be so cruel to do this and it was like there was no time this yeah. was this was five minutes of me being, you know, yeah. getting thrown on and right. So the time span yeah. was super small. Yeah. They already let the doctor know that nothing was happening. Go back to bed, you know, roll over. And so to get, you know, when they prepare to do anesthesia and, and yeah. surgeries and all that kind of yeah. stuff, there's a lot of prep work yeah. there. So mm -hmm. they basically ran into an examination room with a scalpel and, you know, it was yeah. all 
Yeah. So I'll, what took you 20 minutes to tell us happened in like four minutes. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> and exactly. also, what was the, when did you start talking about it? You said you found irons, hadn't spoken about it, and you found irons. Uh, where, how long ago was that? Was that recently? That's been about 12, 11, 12 years, years ago. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and I was so enamored with everyone else's story that what yeah. happened to me is I kind of got pissed off <laughs> where I'm like, okay, why has everybody else got this great story to tell? And I just felt so in question. Yeah, but there's more to your story. So yeah. <laughs> like, let's yeah. move on because so, yeah, so you started asking questions and why me, but that rockets of desire, as Esther Hicks would say, were mm-hmm. shooting out of you. I want to know more. Why? I want to know more. Why? Ask and you this, shall receive. This, this book, my first book, see this girl on the on the cliff? It's like, why? <laughs> well, that was me when I was young. Mom's dying, you know, she's sick and dying, and I'm going, why? Asking questions. Like when we ask the questions, source comes to answer our questions. And this is exactly what happened to you. The, um, exactly. the Yeah. So let's get into how long ago did you start receiving the answers and what what it's tell us what right happened. Around, it's been right around 12 years ago now I felt like um I, I started to ask and in the humble and prayer and you know I I really would like to know more and I had, I attended a, a international conference at IONS and happened to be sitting kitty corner at lunch from Dr. Um, Eben Alexander and he this he had you know, had his experiences, his first book hadn't even come out yet. It was not coming out for about another six weeks. And he was talking about how his experience was expand, you know, it, it had, it had stopped, you know, you you continue to get these memories and this, these downloads and it's, and it starts putting things together and man, that, that really opened me up. And also the fact that he hadn't seen his father and cause I'm like, I didn't see my dad, you know, I didn't have uh, that to give, to offer my mother, you know, or it was like, oh, I saw dad and he's okay. And, you know, I didn't have it. And he was expressing that though he had this amazing, um, you know, experience, but he didn't see his dad. So those two things really opened me up where I went, okay, if we can continue to get these downloads and these memories, I'm ready for mine. I want mine. And so I would pray and then I would cry about it. And then I would kind of be pissy about it. And, you know, just went through this whole array for about, I don't know, about a year where I was just like, you know, and then when I started noticing uh, my spirit guide in my dreams, um, there was this just weird character off on the side of whatever I was seeing, dreaming, it would just be um, where he was trying to pull me out of uh, into an awareness of being lucid, being outside of the dream while the dream was still going on, that he would hold up a sign and go, pay attention to this. Or, you know, it was kind of just where he'd wear these really odd costumes and I'd be like, what the heck is you know going on? And then he would take me to what I call spirit school. So I started getting these downloads and everything almost nightly or now they've slowed down but you know I even got something wonderful last night and we can talk about it later but 
you know, it's like when I get something, I mean, I just wake up and go, hooray, you know, and behind me are all, you know, journals and journals. And I journal my dreams. This is where, this is my contact. This is where um, I, I have been given a gift. You, you, you were asking, you need to come back with these gifts. And it's like, yeah, I've experienced almost everything. You know, it's like I can, I can converse intelligently, though none of them are my forte, you know, as far as being a, a medium on a regular basis or, or something which I would love to do. And to give that gift to someone to just pull it out. But for me, I had, I, I had to work in that in-between sleep and wake where it takes me all night to have that, kind, that much contact that, that a, a, another medium can, you know, say, oh, I, you know, I, uh, your sister's here or something. It's like, for me, that takes forever. Now, I know you can grow into every one of these different gifts of, you know, but for me, I've just experienced them on, you know, a limited basis here and there. And it's like, which way, which one do I want to work on? Well, you know, my dreams, I just trust so much my I've learned discernment in what I see what I learn and it's taken a lot of years but you know I'm getting the good stuff just by going to sleep right now <laughs> well I don't call them gifts I call them abilities because mm. we all have the ability to do it mm -hmm. and we can all expand those abilities including you Claudia yeah. Yeah, okay. and exactly. it's so interesting because I don't remember much of my dreams and I've been asking my guides where do I go at night what am I up to but I don't really have conscious memory too much conscious memory but I have complete access to that sort of information in my conscious awakening life so mm. or, or awake life whatever you want to call it and um, they're saying that it, it's frequency alignment so in your dreams you're not so much in your linear human mind which vibrates at a different frequency so when we worry or fret or stress or uh, we create a frequency which is not in alignment with the information or the awareness that you're asking for mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and when you shift that frequency you can do it in meditation or you can do it in you know guided visual visualization you can do it all the time or you can do it some of the time you can align to that frequency you can do it in hypnosis you know people that's what hypnosis is mm -hmm. uh, a hypnotist will relax you you're getting sleepy relax relax your body relax so as we start to relax and relax and we relax, we change our frequency our brainwave we change it out of a beta into a alpha into a theta brainwave and when we're more in a theta brainwave we have more access to information from a different dimension exactly. and that's why children are can be so psychic because children kind of operate in that theta brainwave most of the time except when they're stressing and they're like open sponges and so they're more they, they're more open to this other dimension so you can do it if you want to and oh, I'll be yeah. te I'm yeah. teaching courses on it this year so <laughs> come and do some courses but you, you can do it if you want to and um, many people teach how to do that but it is a it is a, we all can do it all the time but we just have to shift our frequency yeah so mm -hmm. but the, the ability well, it's like a, it's like a mu muscle you know or 
I mean, here the Olympics are on. It's like, you know, these people have trained and they've worked their muscles and they, they work out every day and they eat properly and they do everything to a- obtain that particular goal. And so, yeah, it takes, it takes work. You know? Well, it can. You know, some people are just naturally um, in alignment and some people train. I, I first started radio with a friend of mine who was a working psychic. She did sort of talking to dead people, you know, prediction type, you mainstream psychic, if there is a mainstream psychic. And then she became a teacher. But um, she, yeah, she, she learned it. She was like, I want to know how to do this. She had no awareness and no ability that she knew of and she trained and did it. So there are a couple of ways people can train and do it or people just have it. Um, right. But uh, And that's why we've classically called it a gift because in the past there wasn't schools to learn to be psychic. And mm. so people that were psychic just naturally had it. And so we called it a gift rather right. than an ability. But anyway, we're getting off track. Let's, let's hear some of your lessons and the ability to remember the lessons as you came back into your waking body. Now that's, that's a, that's an ability. What, right. what was what was the, like some of the lessons that you were and, given? And when you say that was an ability, actually, I had to really work on that. That's, that was where um, when I woke, I tried very hard not to open my eyes or to let the world in for just those few moments. Where was I? What just Because you can lose it. I mean, I call so many dreams sand dreams where you wake up and they're just they're gone. And no, you, you just can't bring them back for the life of you. Yeah. And so, and some of them are meant to just, you know, they they release anxiety or whatever, you know, not every dream um, is that wonderful spiritual dream, but I have found really cool things that happen even in the sand dreams. Um, I'll give you one example. I lost my sister. It's been 10 years ago and my little sister and, you know, I missed her. And, and I was just having a regular dream. But when I woke up in the morning, I was like, something happened. And I went through that regular dream. And the one thing that stood out was there was a group of group of people, they were waiting in, in line to get in this store. There's a long story that the story doesn't matter. But what I remembered was my sister's face in the crowd this beautiful smile at me she was just looking at me and smiling not a word was spoken but that's what i woke up with the dream meant nothing but i got to see my sister's face in that crowd and so i so i you know preach all dreams are important, you know, try and review all of them, try to, you know, and it's hard when, when you're a busy mom or your the alarm clock rings and you've got to jump out of bed and, you know, get into the day, but man, if you can take those few seconds or on the weekend, turn that alarm off or whatever, and just, you know, and ask on the, and ask, you know, you're, you're not going to get these things if, if you don't let the universe or the light know that you want it, you know, we're here with our free will in our life and we're busy doing, doing, doing. So there's no reason for, you know, when when people say, well, how come I don't have all of that? And it's like, are you asking for it? Are you letting, you know, the light know that, that, that you really want this, you know, that you want um, some of these pieces to the spiritual puzzle, you know, it's like, you know, you've got to ask first, 
but uh, and I went off track and now I'm sorry I did. <laughs> I can't remember what I was trying to give you there. Oh, well, it, it just the importance of of recording those dreams. And um, one of my first spirit schools, I'll tell you, you know, because it's like, okay, what do you learn? What do you do in spirit school? I'll tell you about my guide who is just funny as can be. He dresses up in weird costumes and, you know, holds up the billboard and I go with him. And when I'm at in this school, there'll be a, a sign like I'll get like the name of the chapter of a book or something, the, you know, the title of the story. And um, and this one is called Cause and Effect. And it was one of the first in my spirit school. And, and I saw myself on a kind of a, a stage um and I knew there were people around, but I don't see people. I just know that they're there. And I was sitting on this chair and floating around me were these 12 bubbles. They were beautiful, luminous, colorful, you know, like a, you know, soap bubble type thing. And I saw myself in every single one of the bubbles and they were, they were rotating this 12 bubbles. They were just slowly rotating in front of me. And I was encouraged to do something, you know. Um, so I, it was like I flipped my hair, I stuck my tongue out, or you know, wiggled my nose, or did something. And inside of this bubble would be that something that I did. And as it would reach, and it was it was rotating clockwise, and it would when it would get to the top, it would release and and bubble off, <laughs> fly off, right? And another bubble, it, it just it was a continuing thing. And no matter what I did, you know, stuck my tongue out or, you know, whatever, um, it would capture that particular scene and it would rise and then it would rise and go away. And I, after a while of watching that, I, you know, I got it. I said, well, you know, cause it was like, where are these bubbles going the, the bubbles of me you know my actions are continuing right it was a, it was alive everything that was happening in this bubble and I wish I could remember word for word but basically I was telling the teacher it's like well are these are going off into different dimensions and there must be a whole lot of different dimensions if every single one of us are continuing to have and, and, and to bring this, you know, bubble thing, not just silliness, because this is a parable. This is a metaphor, right? It's, 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 it's a way for me to tell a story of when we come to a crossroads, some decisions and things in our lives, you know, we retain what we, who we were or, or, or and, and there's confusion here. It's like, is it, is it the new one that bubbles off? And, you know, that is a question that, that I'm asking myself right now as I'm telling this story. It's, it, um, so that's kind, that's kind of, you, you know, it's kind of, uh, uh, as you can tell, blah, 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 you know. Okay, let me try and unpack this a little bit. Unpack it for me. So it was showing you that every decision you make creates another you. Another or, me. Or you reprint the same you. I, I'm reprinting that you, but the decision that's made, say as a divorce or. Do I get divorced? Do I stay? Child, or, you know, all of these things, moving or not moving, changing, uh -huh. 
states or whatnot, there is a retention of you that goes off into another, you know, we talk about parallel lives. This is beautiful. Uh, I want to tell you why, because years ago in the Seth books, channeled information by Jane Roberts in the 60s, I read them when I was in my 20s, a long time ago. He said, every thought you have becomes a manifested reality. And I remember Mm. at that point, my poor little linear human mind was so confused and blown away. I threw the book across the room. Ah, stop, it's driving me crazy. But you're actually explaining what he was talking about. And I say he, Seth, being a stream of consciousness, you know, Mm put into identity um you're explaining what he was talking about yeah you're saying that yeah go on go well i'll I'll just grab a couple of sentences because i found it in my book that i said i was catching on and said to the teacher so the bubbles are going off into many directions and dimensions the teacher said yes and leaned in closer with a nod for me to continue sharing my thoughts so i said The actions we create go on living, no matter how simple or complex. The choices and decisions we make, the crossroads we stand at, all of these actions continue on in another dimension. And he said, yes. He said, good. And with that, he turned away from me to address another student. But my mind was still racing with so many possibilities, and I thought, There must be a lot of bubbles out there from so many of us since we are all constantly sending out these action bubbles. And there must be so many dimensions out there for all of these bubbles to go and continue on. And what he did was, and I was thinking at that point, but the teacher could still hear thought. We were no longer conversing. And he turned around and said, yes, 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 this one gets an A, this one gets an A. (laughs) Every thought we think creates a reality, not necessarily your reality in your current physical in this dimension, but in some probable dimension, it's every thought. Esther Hicks from the teachings of Abraham was talking about this and she was saying, you know, and somebody had asked, what about Hollywood movies? You know, they're creating these realities mm. that we're watching on our screens. And she said, yes, Steven Spielberg has created many, many, many oh, yeah. different realities yeah. and different dimensions. Because think about, we, you know, we come up with monsters and and every time a Hollywood movie puts out, we've destroyed the world, you know, the, the, you know the, like how many d- disaster movies do we, does Hollywood pump out? It's all creation it's all Mm. creation Mm. creation. because because we are pieces of god we we're right our the creator we well we are we are the the creator creator. Mm -hmm. so of course our thoughts matter everything you know everything every thought what you're what you're you know spinning because yeah 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 Yeah. every thought you have and this is when this is how we cannot play victim to what shows up in our lives. I mean, when terrible things happen, 
Uh, we say, I would never have wanted to create that. But did you stress? Did you worry? Did you watch that sort of thing on television and said, I hope that never happens to me? Oh, that'd be awful. I wouldn't want that. You know, it's like we're thinking about it. And then something horrible happens and we think, I didn't create that. Did you think (laughs) about it? Did you focus on it? Did you watch it? Uh, Yeah. Well, I mean, like, have you ever gone into into a supermarket or something in a bad mood or or something happened? You made all the oranges fell on the ground when you touched one and you're you're in there just in this state of mad or whatever. And you're you're creating this situation for everybody around you. You know, you've you've create you've pulled the, the frequency of the wonderful smells and the fruit and everything that you're standing there in the market and being, you know, just this raging maniac (laughs) yeah Yeah, like attracts like you're attracting other people in bad moods and and they're getting to experience the drama you're creating and they think that they didn't create it because you're creating it but were you in a bad mood I remember look I don't know we should share more of your story but this happened to me I had a fight with my husband many years ago my daughter was little um to get away from him I said come on and I took my daughter we'll go shopping we went into a crystal shop and we had a really pleasant interaction with the lovely lady in the crystal shop. And I bought my daughter a crystal. And then we went next door to the video shop here back in the day when we had video shops to buy a video. And I remember I placed the crystal on the counter and I placed the videos on the counter to pay for them. And she picked the videos up and she knocked the crystal off the table and it smashed all over the floor. And then my daughter was crying. I was upset. And I said, look what you've done. And then she went into a fit of rage and and ordered me out of the shop. Like she did this thing to us, but she just went into this. I remember coming home to my husband at the time and complaining about it. Like, how dare she? You know, all in sense. How did I create that? I didn't create that. And he said, you totally did. You left the house in the same frequency that she, you know, like I was in a fit of rage when we were fighting and then I met a woman like, so yeah, we, we, Mm. you know, we collided because our energies were aligned. Yeah. But it was interesting because it didn't happen instantly because I'd had a lovely interaction with the woman in the shop before and I had shifted my rage to like feeling pleasant. And, but at the same time, I still, was a vibrational match to her this you know who knows what was happening in her life and why she was so upset maybe she'd been dumped or maybe she got bad news or whatever but we had yeah we collided with each other because we were offering the same frequency ah. amazing well, lessons as you as you are offering your program and and so many books and wonderful things are coming out and we're all finding each other right, right. as your audience is sitting here with these wonderful seekers and it's like right. just just you know wanting new information it's just wonderful that that frequency is becoming stronger absolutely are we are all finding each other it's wonderful so that lesson with the bubbles was that one of the first lessons you got that's one of the first ones wow that's pretty intense for the like one of the first ones well and more tell us more more lessons more lessons okay um i I was saving one for you. I just got this a, a couple of months ago. This was like 10, you know, plus years ago. And I would, I just grabbed a couple of journals to, to go backwards because it's amazing what you forget or you, you're, you know, I'll be drawn to a page and go, Oh my goodness, this piece matches this piece because they come in separate pieces for me. You know, it's like, okay, this is a great story. What I, um, so, so what I got, it's been a month ago, 
when I was uh, in my near-death experience and, and I was asking, is this a memory or is this a new development? And my guide said, does it matter? <laughs> you know, <laughs> he's so funny, but I was, I was racing amongst the stars. I was in a perfect bubble that I could hear everything and see everything, but I was in a, a protective bubble along with my guide and we were in the universe and we were approaching stars. And as we came to them, I could see the colors were like fire, not like, like flaming fire, but like licked by fire. You could see the pinks and the blues and the yellows in the fire. And, and as we, as I would come up next to them, I could hear them and they were speaking, they were conscious and they were saying, oh, Claudia's here, Claudia's back. Oh, welcome home. Every single one of them in this trail that we went through, it was amazing. It, the stars knew me, they were alive and you know, it, they were conscious. And so I woke with that and going, oh my goodness, there's consciousness out there, you know? I've always felt it, but this to me was a confirmation, right? It had been two years later, and so I could talk about that because what I talk about is what I know, what I'm given. I don't share my opinion generally. It's an opinion, we all have one, you know? But when I'm given something like that from the light, I give it in, in an absolute, this is my truth, my knowing. So that's what I knew. Well, a few years after that, I got this. I was again in spirit school and with my guide, and we're talking about the stars. And I was asking about their consciousness. And he said, do you want to see Jeff's star? Now, Jeff is my brother, and he, he's a year younger than me, and he's gone to the gym. He's suntanned and oiled, you know, bronzed. He was, you know bodybuilder, all of the, you know, he, he goes every day, you know, his body is his temple, right? And I said, Jeff Star, sure, show me Jeff Star. And the guy points, and this star did this twinkling thing, like, you know, like a bodybuilder that's kind of doing the, I mean, I could just see this extra twinkle in this star in the sky. And I knew it was my brother's star. I was like, oh my God, there, that is my brother Jeff's star. Now I woke up and went, now I've got another question. I've got more information, but I've got bigger questions now. Cause it's like, well, if Jeff has, do we all have a star? Are we stars? You know, it's kind of like all this information or all this questioning starts rolling about. And it's been, that's, oh, it's probably been five six years ago that this happened and I just barely just a month ago got more information on stars and I've been saving it for you because it's like I, I wake up and go aha so forgive me and help me if I stumble in trying to relate it because I don't have a whole lot of people that I talk to this way this is my favorite thing to talk about but you need an audience that has an open mind and is listening right I don't, I don't have that at home. So what, help me through it, Karen. But what I saw, I was in a place and it was like a nebula. I was, and I was in a place that stars were being formed. And what, how it was shown to me 
was in a, a metal tube and you could look down. We were in kind of an arena. And I say we because I'll, I'll step back a little bit because I what I was shown myself as a child now in dream. Um, some dreams you can't take everything literally you have it's like sometimes things are a representation so when you get a, a weird dream look at it it's like why would he do that why would he say that to me it's like no it wasn't necessarily that person but they're giving you information and 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 you can um you can relay it because that person was reliable or something in your life that's what they represent to you and so what, what was shown to me as myself as a child, now I'm, you know, almost 70. So, you know, there was this particular way people dressed and everything in the 50s and early 60s, you know, when, when I was growing up. And I saw myself as about nine years old. So this was being shown as my, as my spiritual advancement, so to speak. Um, I was about, you know, that advanced about a nine-year-old-ish advancement and we were being called there were nine of us there and we were being called primaries now i don't know of our start um in in the spirit world you know we've been taught you know we're children of god we've you know we've been you know i don't have that information i saw my i saw the youth i i'm think it was my particular soul group but we were in this was as where our advancement where our spiritual advancement we were about nine years advanced and we were watching the star in this tube being formed the dirt and gases and rock and everything and it, and it was starting to roll to the top again we're in parable here right this is you know this is a, i mean a, a metaphor here you know so so hang, hang with me. So this molten ball is coming to the top of the tube and we're looking down at it. We're in a balcony type situation watching it happen. And then as it rising to the top, it was given light and life. It became alive. And what were opportunity as we as we were in this part of our advancement, we were graduating on to receiving our own star. The star that was coming up, we were in turns of waiting for our star to be molded, made. And as it rose to the top, we were given the opportunity to give it personality, our personality and what was shown to me was as a, you know, this young child, the girl in front of me, she wanted her star, she picked pink. You know, it was showing personality. I wanna, I'm gonna have my star be pink. Or the boy in front of me, he liked um, Lincoln logs, but the, he, these were um, uh, magnified. And so he was just putting Lincoln logs all over, all around his star, like weird antenna things. Again, this is, you know, this is the, the metaphor of him giving this star his personality. But we are given our own star. Now, I have this information. Again, the questions, because it's like, well, do, is this where we reside? Is this where our 
higher self do we you know it's like we're here you know what what is what is heaven so to speak why do we need our own star you know every answer that is given starts 10 more questions for me (laughs) you know (laughs) it's crazy darling one I do know (laughs) I'm I'm the eternal questioner every time I hear someone's story I've got a million questions yeah did those questions get answered for you does everyone have their own scar it feels like it's the third piece piece, like it's a continuing series as I ask because I want I'd like to know you know it's like I know that we all have our own star what we do with if that's where we you know, our higher self, is this, is this where our respite, you know, do we go back to our own star after between lives? I don't, I don't have not been given that information. So here's a question for you. Is the star a ball of energy that is in another dimension, not perceivable in this dimension? So we look up into the sky and we see stars and what we're seeing is, um, gaseous planets or i don't know what we're seeing but our sun is considered a star so our sun is a star to somebody else on another planet right uh, has that question been answered mm. something you can ask them yeah <laughs> i'll keep asking mm. but it was one of my ahas just a recent one and then um and it kind of goes into another spirit school that I went to because there's this question of, you know, why are we here? You know, what's our purpose? You know, right. it's like we're, we wake up in the morning and we, you know, get ready for work and we're there all day. And then we're thinking about what's for dinner and we got to get laundry in, you know, and maybe an hour of TV before we retire and do it all over again. This just wheel of, of nothingness, just, you know, uh, it's like there has to be more, right? And so I would, you know, like anyone else, I'm, I'm asking, it's like, what's our purpose? You know, what, why, and why don't we know why, you know, you hear about the veil of forgetfulness, right? Why did we, why can't we remember? But then you think about that we're on this planet of duality, right? It's like, you know, the, it, it's either hot or it's cold, or it's, you know, you're, you're well or you're sick. And, you know, it just seems like that you, you just go through life in these, in these two um, either ors, you know, through your whole life. And so my question, sorry, I was, I was starting to go off track and I, I want to stay where I was going. Um, I saw myself in, and this name of this class I'm going to grab was, um, this was a layering, a description and and explanation of of all the questions that we have. Because we have these huge life questions. And it's like, why can't we get them? You know, I was on the other side. Why didn't, and on all the people, other people who have been on the other side, why didn't, why didn't they bring all the answers back? You know, why is there just this piece and every one of them, every one of us just has this little piece. And I I was there one time again, I don't know if it was my actual NDE or in memory or, or a new piece of the puzzle, because as I said before, my guide said, you know, doesn't matter. You know, it's like, here, I'm giving you this. And I'm standing in this ocean of information, right? It's all there. You know, people come back and go, 
everything that I asked, it was like it just whisked through my left ear, like, like the answers were all there and it all made sense. And you're standing there in this fast knowledge, an ocean of it, and you're holding a paper cup and it's like, okay, it's time to go back you know, scoop up what you can. And that's what you get to bring back with you, right? And it's so frustrating until I figured out that that, my paper cup, that ocean inside that paper cup is an essence of everything. And if I just, if I will take time and examine every single drop within that small little container of the, of the, of the knowledge out there, you'll get it. You just have to be patient because it takes longer to examine that little drop, right? But, but in my spirit school, sorry, <laughs> I've got about three different directions I'm going here. So why don't we have all the answers? We go through this veil of forgetfulness and we're here in a limited capacity, brain, you know, we're brilliant, wonderful, magnificent souls. But if we had all of the answers, our brains would explode, right? It's just so much. And, and what was given to me in spirit school was an example. In the late 50s, there was this decoration pillow on people's couches. And it was this translucent kind of brown fabric and it had little pink hard dots on it it was ugly it really was but I, I remember a friend this was on her couch and I, I'd seen it in other living rooms popular back then and so my guide asked me to describe this pillow and I started to say that same thing well the, the fabric you can kind of see through it it's kind of translucent it's kind of this brown color and he said no he says I want you to describe this pillow as if you're telling somebody that doesn't even know what material is or the fabric, you know, you've got to explain how it's put together, you know. Um, and he said, I want you to pretend you're calling your son, Jesse. Now, Jesse, I, I can speak spiritual speak to. It's awesome. But he says, call Jesse, you know, talk to him and try to explain what this pillow is. And, you know, I, it's very frustrating to talk about color if somebody doesn't know what color is, you know? It's like suddenly your tongue is so twisted in trying to describe something that's, it seems simple, but there were layers upon layers of trying to give this information out. And he, and he expressed his, I wanted to grab this little piece because we got to a certain point and Oh, I marked it and then I lost my mark. Where is it? Um, we got to a certain play there it is. And he said, I'm going to read this part too. But he stopped me there. Pretend you are describing all of this to your son, Jesse, over the phone. But now add trying to describe an onion, its many layers, its pungent colors, the feel of it, firm yet wet. Then describe the color from there. Then describe the pillow and the polka dots of an entirely different texture that doesn't match it or fit the texture or translucity. Then explain the tiny hardball dots of fabric that are fuzzy to the touch. This could go on and on, 
trying to describe a pillow to someone who isn't familiar with fabrics or that era when this cloth was popular. And we haven't even touched on the description of the color of the pink dots yet. And then he went, <gasps> took a deep breath and went, you know, how do you describe the undescribable? You know, it's like it has to come in these layers. And so, so, so basically he was saying to your human linear limited perspective, you know, mm -hmm. you, you perceive the world through your physical senses. We're trying to give you information. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then dumb it it's down. You've got you've got to you've got to build on a foundation, you know, we have to become solid in our knowing of this and that. And then you get these these little pieces, you know, other, I mean, can, you know, otherwise the mortar, you know, it's like, we're just going to tumble and, you know, lose our right. minds or whatever. Like know? I was saying before, when I read in my twenties that every thought becomes a reality to my mind at that point, it, it just exploded my mind because I couldn't even conceive of that concept. And now I've discussed it many times and even today it's come up and there's puzzle pieces, as you say, explanations of how that happens. And yeah. now I get it, but I had to understand that this is not the only reality, that reality is multidimensional, but it's all yeah. real and it's all a reality. And yeah, but back then I couldn't have conceived of that because I didn't know yeah. that there was any other reality, but this reality. So, right. yeah. Well, and in, in my personal limited capacity, you know, it's like I get so much, but I rely on these types of programs and listening to somebody else and reading somebody else's book and, you know, grasping, you know, further concepts. information, to yeah. further concepts, different languages, you know, yeah. the way someone uses language yeah. Yeah. that that it can, you know, there can be many ahas, you know, right. yeah. like you um, don't just depend on your own, you know, seek. And so, then if something makes sense, then, you know, it's like, grab hold of it, use it, you know, um, incorporate it. And if it doesn't, put it on the mind shelf, you know, just set it aside. It. Yeah, you know, I, I wanted to say to you that apart from doing podcast shows, you don't have an audience like this to talk to, maybe you're silent a little bit. So start. Claudia now has a weekly Zoom meeting where she has calls it <laughs> Spirit School. And if you want to yeah. sign up, contact Claudia on her website or I love it. Facebook and sign up to Claudia's Spirit School. Like just <laughs> do it. And if you want to charge people, charge people. We'll just say, give you know, give me a donation and start teaching Spirit School, honey. <laughs> Spirit School is uh, open. The bell has rung. Spirit School's I open. I love it. I love it. Right now, my, I just love promoting other people. I just, it's, I want to be the, you know, the wind uh, under other wings too. We have so much to share. And so for you to allow me to be here today, is just awesome. I just appreciate well, it. You can do both. You can do both. I know that you've got a your little family living with you, your grandchildren, but um, you got time. You're sort of retired now. It's not like you have to go to <laughs> nine to five. You got time. Sure, it's sure. so interesting. A lot of people in the spiritual um, arena, you know, a lot of people I speak to are sort of older. And it's at that time where you've finished, you know, raising your kids and going to work and that you've got time to actually do mm. what I'm doing and, uh, and uh, do courses, do Zoom meetings, have gatherings. You've got the time and people are seeking 
and uh, you've got a wealth of knowledge. A, a couple of things I wanted to ask you. Did you meet your dad in spirit in, in your dreams? No. Not and I yet. know it's taken me a long, oh, in, in dream. In your dreams. I, uh, he, he's been gone since 1969 and I did not have a dream or anything of him for almost 40 years. Right. And I was so frustrating and I understand why, because I would have never, if I'd have seen my dad, I'd have never been able to come back, you know, and, and uh, I think that's true, you know, for uh, Dr. Alexander, I think said something like that. It's like, I know there's a reason why I didn't. Um, he has come into, to me and dream now. Yeah. And because we have an agreement, I had to, I had to mourn him less. I was holding right. on too hard. Right. Um, and in losing my sister and then a few, three years later, losing my mother. Now I have to, besides, you know, besides grandparents and whatnot and aunts and uncles, you know, those are my, my three um, on the other so side. I want to say something to you. I've got Stephen Simon coming up in the Inner Sanctum this weekend and you're welcome to come and meet him. So he's a movie producer. He's made What Dreams May Come and he oh, made yeah. the Conversation with God movie with Neil Donald Walsh and the Indigo oh, movies. Yeah. made many Hollywood movies, but his wife died about three and a half years ago and he's communicating with her in spirit in his waking life, his physical waking life, and he wrote a book called What Dreams Have Come. Uh, with Lauren and he's our guest teacher in the inner sanctum but what I wanted to say to you is that Lauren kept saying stop saying you've lost me I'm mm. right here because we you know this vernacular that we have when people die I've lost somebody they've died my dead friends always say honey I'm more alive than you stop saying I'm dead I'm like <laughs> yeah. sorry every time I said she's dead I go I'm sorry she left her body there <laughs> we go this, this <laughs> the matrix you know I always correct myself because yeah these words that we use I've lost people they're dead it's actually creating a narrative that's not the truth <laughs> and Lauren even though he says it he slips up like when I lost Lauren oops no I didn't lose it when Lauren left her body <laughs> <laughs> yeah because they're not um, they're they're not gone to us not gone they're just not here <laughs> they are here we just yeah uh, we're just not a, a vibrational match to their frequency unless exactly we are. Yeah. exactly unless we uh, are. yeah oh my goodness yeah i had wrote a story of the, the number 432 that i kept seeing when after my mother passed 432 it, it was everywhere and I finally looked up 432 and it's, you know, it's, it's a vibration. It's a communication vibration. Uh -huh. And when I saw my mother in dream a few months after she was gone from me, from this mortal world, um, <laughs> I saw her behind a window and I knew she wanted to communicate with me, but it was like, we just weren't so I could see her, but I couldn't hear her. And then I started seeing this 432 everywhere and going, oh my goodness. And one, one time I was in dream, but I woke up and I had my hands, like I was yelling and going, mom, I, I'm trying to raise my vibration to 432. You need to bring yours down just a little bit and we can kind of meet in the middle. But I'm, I'm waking up and I'm literally yelling. <laughs> you know, it's kind yeah. of like, so yeah, we do, we have you know we don't match but it doesn't mean that we can't work on it and do it so right uh, my you know the cousin I talked about my dad's cousin 
when her, her husband died and when she died, I went over to New Zealand to care for her and, and help her cross over. It was funny because she was so wanting to die. She kept saying every day, how do I die, Karen? How do I die? She wasn't sick enough to die. And I said, Hope, her name was Hope. Make a decision and line up with it. It's any other. It's like any other decision, any other manifestation we have in this physical world. We have to make a decision. You don't. You stop saying I want to die and just saying I'm. I'm going to. And that's exactly what she did. I remember one of her other relatives said, "I'll see you tomorrow, Hope." And she looked at her and she said, "I won't be here tomorrow." And I'm like, "She's made the decision. Oh, you know, she's yeah. made the decision." And she wasn't. But anyway, what was I going to say about her? So after she died, I didn't have access to her, and I'm like, "What?" I think I was wanting it too much you know I was you know I was too much I don't know I just wasn't a match to her and then one morning exactly like you said Claudia I I was in that period of awakening into my physical body you know coming from that different dimension dream state into the physical and I was in that in-between sleep and I remember she stuck her head right in front of my face. Oh, yeah. yeah. And she said, can yeah. you see me now? <laughs> and, it, and she screamed at me so loudly that it literally woke me up out of my dream, my sleep. And I went, oh. and as soon as I woke up into the physical, she had gone. Oh. But I was like, I laughed because I'd keep, I kept saying, where are you, Hope? where are you? Why can't I? I kept asking and asking and not, mm. and not letting myself experience her in spirit until that yeah. morning. And then she said, can you see me now? She had worked really hard to get through. It was hilarious. And I just laughed. I laughed. So funny. Yeah. I call that because when it's up that close, it's like, um, it, it's a, it's a screen. It's I'm not going to describe it well. Like they're not at the foot of the bed, but they're right here. Oh, her face was right yeah. in my face. Right like, there. Right I mean, in my face. It's yeah. So weird. Yeah. I, when I was really, because we talked about my illness, because uh, I was ill for three years, but I had an angel and she was like right here, this redheaded angel. And she uh-huh. was talking to me and I could see her, but I mean, she was right here. So there's a, there's a way because and I had told my dad it's like I saw ghosts and things when I was a kid so I know I came in with some of these abilities and I didn't want to see ghosts right 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 right, right. so I remember telling him it's like don't stand at the end of my bed and scare the crap out of me dad but when they're right here in that they're in a visual but it's screen isn't the right word but it's not in the room I, I don't know how to explain that, but I get it I because I see that all the time. They're right here. A <laughs> couple, couple of things I want to uh, touch on before we go. You've spoken about this on many other shows, but your guide, well, initially he appeared to you as a, as a galactic guide, mm-hmm. you know, like galactic, which kind of shocked you. When you first started seeing him, he looked, he didn't look human. Well, when I first started seeing him, he looked, the, the first contact I had with him he was dressed up like a fairy Uh he's laughing oh (laughs) yeah it's he had you know he's had a a chubby cigar and and he was chubby and he had hair all over the back of this fairy costume and he would touch this wand and go pay attention to this you know watch Uh this or come with me so that was one of his first costumes so I got you know he is um, proceeded to wear different costumes and so I know immediately it's it's him you know it's like oh we're going to spirit school yay you know it's like it's but 
and this is where um, that I find mediums so helpful because I could get so much, but it's like I wanted a little bit more and I wanted to know who my spirit guide was. This was early on, but I was told by a medium that I may not want to know because she knew me and knew that I had, you know, kind of the scaries of some things. And she told me that he looked like a gargoyle and that I might be afraid of my spirit guide. And I was like a gargoyle, you know, but she says he's all white. And, uh, you know, I don't, yeah, I, I don't, he's furry. And, and so I went, well, what's his, what's his name? And she said, I can't pronounce it. He speaks in this clicking noise. And so it was, so this was, this is what she saw and heard. Um, it opened up this doorway for me to understand him more because he was coming in costume so that he wouldn't scare me right it was um but i did see him in dream one time he let me see him as he was and he's a teddy bear of a gargoyle he's full of love and beautiful and i thank him for letting me see him that one time but he okay. still comes to me in costume i'm going to tell you what he's showing me oh. uh, you know he says that he actually who he really is is, is none he's not the fairy he's not the gargoyle he's a point of consciousness and you've seen him many times as that actually and you've even been quite well versed in describing that um saying that we look like fire and all that i mean that's really what he looks like and he can present in any form mm. and the gargoyle form that he presented to the medium in because he presented to her not to you oh, uh, yeah. as the gargoyle was to help you again knock you out of the paradigms that we get stuck in in our human mind and to to expand your awareness mm. of life and 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 creativity throughout the cosmos you know to um, yeah so to come it's one of those things we like to talk we would like to talk about openly is our our belief in extraterrestrial and right. all of that yeah but as as healers and here on, on a spiritual, it was one of those things where it's like, I can cover all these bases, but then someone says, well, what about aliens? Right. And it's not that we don't have information about alien right. life or our contact with, it's the fact that so we're going to get laughed at by so many people. Well, he's like, he's like he's got a great sense of humor. He's like he reminds he me is, of Michael Tavora. Actually, are you Michael Tavora looking like a gargoyle? And he's laughing at that too. Oh my god! Ah. Um, so he says that especially with your religious dogmatic, you know, belief systems mm -hmm. and the way that society, humanity has demonized alien mm -hmm. life i mean he finds that hilarious mm -hmm. when you understand that there is such an infinite vastness of life throughout right. the dimensions and cosmos and the puny little human mind says is there any life out there so <laughs> you know this vast universe it's like it's only us yeah right? it's only us and, we, and they're all aliens look human if there are and you know to present as a gargoyleish sort of he just thinks that's hilarious 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 he came to me about a month ago as an angel as angel's been a topic someone asked me if do angels have wings and that i don't have a lot of information about angels but uh, other than my redheaded one that was here one night but he came to me and he was in a white robe and he had long white hair and i was kind of like 
is this my higher self? Is this Jesus? Is this God? You know, for a while you're looking at the robe, right? And then he took the, he took his wing. There, there were kind of some wings on the back and he took one of them and he waved it at me. And I went, oh my God, that's my guide. <laughs> so he, uh, he's really, and they are, they're so funny on the other side. This business of being so serious and, you I know. know. I know. Oh my goodness. I, I want to say something to you too. I want to I want to thank you. You gave me you gave me some words that I want to use an ocean of knowledge. Mm. You said we take the cup and we dip into the ocean of knowledge. The way my mob I call my team, my guides have have shown me who they are is not like your guide which is singular identity based they never did and I kept asking why what do you look like and they kept laughing at me because they thought I was hilarious looking for some singular identity not to say that it's not great to have that connection to a singular identity even though he can look like a gargoyle or fairy or an angel or anything or 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 a Mm -hmm. fire or a point or a star um but this is the way they, but the, the ocean of knowledge, when you were talking about dipping into an ocean of knowledge, when you said that, I thought that's a great description for my guidance. It's an mm-hmm. ocean of knowledge. And as I connect, I can dip into it and they can bring down this pieces, like this cup mm-hmm. of knowledge. It's just a beautiful depiction. And it was, yeah. I want to thank you for that. An, an ocean just, of knowledge who are your guides they are an ocean of knowledge that it's just a beautiful description yeah. Yeah. yeah and so the last thing before we go i've been yakking for ages so many questions uh, i've got i wrote down here listening to you why do sick people oh yeah look i've got a, lots of questions i could have asked you that i haven't asked you yet talking to people in comas or something like that but you said last night you had spirit school and you got some information so i believe that they were giving you some information because of this conversation so Mm -hmm. i'd love to know what you got last night oh that i almost forgot yeah um and i haven't even written it in my journal isn't that terrible but it was so big that i i I remembered big because it's another piece you know we that we talk about um reincarnation or earlier we were, we had, we didn't get a chance to talk about reincarnation, but um, the layering and knowledge and the fact that we are living parallel lives. I, in my dream, I had a piece of artwork and it was kind of a, uh, I want to say a living piece, kind of like um, Harry Potter-ish type thing where it could move. It was still art. It wasn't alive, a but it was a repeat of, of, of them a repetitive motion or something right and it it had a problem it needed to be cleaned on the face or something and i guess i was uh you know someone to do with you know fixing art uh because i had this little cloth and a little bit of an an oil or something that i was trying to remove some dirt or something off of this portrait and i was trying to be careful but something happened and it, it was like a film that lifted and it was like, oh my goodness, I kept trying to push this film back, this, this paint back because I was destroying this portrait, right? But the more that pulled back showed this other, the same person, except for they were in a whole different situation. They were doing something else. And it was like every time that, that 
you know, I could pull that little layer back. There was another piece of this person's, like, because it wasn't me, it was something that could have been me, but not this me. But it was showing, it's like, as we remove those layers, there is another dimension. There's, there's so much, there's so much parallel. We're doing, we are doing all kinds of things out there. And you mentioned just a little bit about pe people in coma. I worked five years as a hospice volunteer. I've seen a lot of people pass and I will jump into the ending that I wanted to end with because there has been a lot of loss recently. We've lost movie stars and rock stars and people that we've watched and so many people have lost family and are in COVID and illness and everything. There's a lot of exiting of the off the planet right now. And, you know, it's, it is, it's just the physical, it's just the physical that's, that's, they're still here. Their spirit is here. We can contact, we can, but we're, we're unable to go to the movies or go to the restaurant together, so to speak. And that's the thing that's really hard. But every time that someone passes, no matter how much I love them or whatnot, it's like, I, I'm going to miss that, but I'm so happy for them because they have come to the end of their mission and they're excited to go back. You know, it's wonderful to be there. And I can't help but being happy for them, you know, and, and, and you're in this uh, particular religion or whatnot, there's a lot of open caskets, you know, you can view the body or whatever. And it's hard sometimes to look at that, that shell that used to be that person and they're, they're not there. This is their overalls. This is, was their spacesuit for this adventure, right? They've, they're, they've gone home and it's hard sometimes not to, to smile so out of place at a funeral, right? But I'm like, man, I'm happy for them, you know? They've, they've done their thing. They've fulfilled their mission, their purpose. They've left this behind. They've left the body behind. Uh -huh. Yeah, I, I believe that all funerals should be celebrations of life, really. Mm -hmm. Rather than crying over why they've left, celebrate when they were here and what you learned from them and yeah, it should always be a celebration. It's just, uh, yeah, it should always be a celebration. I remember years ago, Catholic girlfriend, her mother had passed and I lived about an hour away from the city and the funeral was that day. And I remember washing the floor, vacuuming the floor. It was either the morning of the funeral or the day before. But anyway, I just had this, I'm going to the funeral because I don't normally like to go and cry with people because I... I got a big smile on my face and it looks inappropriate. People are like, why aren't you crying? Anyway, I went to her funeral and it was the most amazing party. Apart from the church service, which was really interesting, um, Catholic church service, we went to, you know, have the wake afterwards and there was music and people were dancing and it was actually a real celebration of her life. And I thought this is how it all should be. I don't know why it turned into that. Uh, maybe she asked for it. She was quite an amazing woman. That was many years ago, probably about 15 years ago now but um yeah it should be a celebration uh well and i would find myself looking around seeing if i could see them you know <laughs> are they here i know they're here somewhere where are they <laughs> yeah quite often i'll hear them critiquing their own funeral uh, oh, wow. a friend of mine's another catholic 
um, mother died. She had had dementia for many years before she died and, and, and Alzheimer's. Last time I saw her, she poked her tongue at me. At me. She didn't have any idea who I was. And um, I was looking at her and she, she didn't like me looking at her. So she put both. Anyway, she, had, she was like that. She had a great. But when she died at her funeral and her, her daughter, who was a friend of mine who I went to school with, is it a complete atheist, like a, um, a, a staunch atheist, like don't come at me with any of your spiritual crap or that religious crap, you know, so really, anyway, so here I am sitting next, you know, not next to her, but in the church and her mother is like, I'm so happy. Tell them how happy I am. I'm here with Jesus. I'm with Jesus. Tell them how happy I am. Like she's, too, and I feel like, shut up Libby I'm supposed to be crying <laughs> and I couldn't tell her daughter that because her daughter oh, wouldn't believe oh, it because yeah. she's such an atheist but wouldn't that have been a lovely message for her oh, that yeah. watching her mother decay for the last I don't know how many years umpteen years 10 years before she died mentally and physically and then hearing that elation how happy she was and she was very into Jesus she had rosary beads all over the house and talked about Jesus a lot. And she's like, I'm here with Jesus. I'm up here with Jesus. And I'm here with my other, you know, dead friends. And just so elated, so ecstatic, her energy. But I couldn't tell any of my skeptical school friends this because they just. Well, and and when the skepticism is that thick, it's, it's got, it's in a way, I think it's still fear-based, you know, it's like, I, I don't know, you don't. To hold on to something that tightly, I don't want to know anything. I just want to have this darkness when I die. I'm just done. I don't know. I, yeah, they yeah. they were Catholic girls in in the convent. I went to that school for a year and uh, met them all there. And uh, yeah, many of them just threw the baby out with the bathwater. They didn't. They weren't sort of too turned on with the whole Catholic thing. So they just went, no, nah, it's all crap you know, including consciousness and spirituality, including neuroscience oh, and quantum wow. physics, you know, just throw it all out. Yeah, so it's interesting how that happened. Okay, well, now that message that you got last night about peeling the layers back, mm. peeling the layers back, how do you think that message relates to what we've experienced today? Because I really believe there was a message there, like there's there's more to us than meets the eye, peel the oh. layers back. Mm. Absolutely. Um, well, I know I, 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 I throw it into the layering, you know, that would have been part of that chapter had that chapter not already been written. It's like, now here's another second piece. Um, because I've heard so much recently about parallel lives. Mm -hmm. oh, where was it? I heard, oh, well, and then um, the old twilight zones, right? I, it was a few days ago, I, I flipped on one of those, and it was talking about parallel universe. And I really feel like there, um, you know, when the students are ready, the teacher will come. And I think I'm hearing more and more people describe these other places or the world in, in, um, oh, I wish I could remember who it was that was talking about in this particular world, earth um the twin towers were still standing right yeah things, things that happened i think it was a garnet Schulhauser. was it garnet? <sighs> he visited a few parallel realities with his spirit guide maybe it, it was and it he was. went yeah he said it on one of my shows and he went to new york and he was in harlem and the twin towers are still up and um he'd, he'd done I'm, i might get because he, he's been to a few i might get mm -hmm. i might be merging the two stories but it, 
And he said that there were very few um, African-American people because slavery hadn't happened. And uh, so there was a much smaller population. Yeah, it was really interesting. We're in sync. That's exactly. Mm-hmm. That's, I must. Was that on your show? Well, he might have shared it on other people's shows too. But yeah. yeah, it's in his book. And in his latest book, he went to another parallel reality where uh, Muhammad had not the Muslim religion had not. So there were no Muslims. Yeah, just yeah, interesting. Infinite, you know, infinite parallel realities. Um, so the air was not so bad in one of them, something right, that not was as polluted. Warm. Yeah. Yeah. It wasn't yeah. as polluted or something. And so, you know, in answering that question, I mean, it's kind of like, this is what I got. I'm still a seeker. That's why I listen to all of these programmings. That's why I'm going to go back and, and listen to some more of Garrett's as, as well. Gar- what is his name again? Garnet. Garnet, Garnet. Schulhauser. Yeah. 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 Oh, his I'm, books are fabulous. I love yeah. his books. They, yeah. just, they just but, give us little, they're a bit, I suspect they're a bit like your books. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the same thing, really. He, so his guide, but he, yeah, same thing, really. He has his guide takes him out into his astral body and flies him around and gives him all this, shows him all this stuff. Then he comes mm-hmm. into his physical body and he has full memory in the morning and he writes it down. But his guide is showing him so much that it's just like little snippets of stuff just to awaken us. And it just really awakened me to the possibility of the universe like oh my god that's not a myth that's real they're they're real and um you know well have you read um dr michael newton's books journey yeah, of soul i have yeah, yeah. well in and I'm, i've read all of them so I'm, I'm not sure which book it was in uh, talking about suicide mm-hmm. and and the fact that she that she was able to see if she had made a different choice now, i'm not making any kind of statement on suicide we don't right. have time to go into that yeah um uh, and and my statement would not be negative so I'll just <laughs> but what but what was shown her is you know had you not made this particular choice and I think that pulls in some of those parallel oh, reality yeah absolutely absolutely she, my best friend committed to learn from her trip here right she because we're here to experience right yeah, we're here yeah. as foot soldiers for God to bring back um, experiences of the physical so that God can experience the physical. So she still had an opportunity through these parallel uh, lives. To make a different choice. Exactly, to make a different choice. And and this is what this could have been. And, you know, so so she still learned. She still had that experience. Going back to what Seth said, every thought, like if you're contemplating suicide, there can be a thought, I'll do it. And there'll be a thought, I won't do it. And every thought becomes a manifested reality. Mm-hmm. in some mm-hmm. dimension i had a friend who committed suicide and after she died she was haunting people she was hilarious she was being funny um <laughs> people that were skeptical too they had they experienced her one person said he woke up and he had like someone sitting on his chest and he was freaked mm-hmm. and then when he stopped freaking he thought my god that's kate and then when he had kate the thing lifted and he could feel her in the you couldn't see her but he could feel her in the room and the bedroom like he was haunting people it was hilarious she was haunting people i don't think she was haunting she was just there but they were perceiving her in some way they they kind of knew that her presence was there but she was very much talking to me and then another friend that had died who who was born with thalidomide she she had the uh, dream to travel the world but because she was so sick she couldn't get insurance and without insurance, she couldn't travel because she had a lot of um, medical needs that she needed to address while she was traveling. 
So after she died, she traveled the world with her boyfriend who had also died. They traveled the world. They did what she couldn't do. Like she made those choices. Mm. She experienced what she couldn't experience in this life. She experienced. Yeah. So it's all there. Yeah. It's amazing, isn't it? Many layers, just like many layers, many layers to you many layers to me I'm not just the podcast host there's many more layers to me many more layers to you you're not just the NDE experience so you're also a master (laughs) teacher in your spirit school Uh, (laughs) there are many layers to all of us really and that that was the message of yesterday's or last night's dream I should say mm -hmm. last night's spirit school yeah yeah well, I look forward to hearing you getting your spirit school up and running, uh, you know, on Zoom or even in the physical. I'm sure that we can't have enough of it, Claudia. We can't have enough spirit schools in this world. The Absolutely. time is right. And thank you so much for sharing with us on this show. Open. Today. Be open out there, audience. Love you. Thank you. Love you too. It's been, it's been beautiful. And I'll invite you in as a... You can come into our group and um, probably be towards the end of the year now. Um, If you'd like to sort of speak to a group, you might have your own group up and running by then. You can speak to My Little Tribe and take questions. Start that spirit school. Awesome. Thank you, girl. Bye-bye, everyone. What a wonderful conversation with Claudia. She's a wealth of knowledge tapped into the ocean of knowledge. I love that, the ocean of knowledge. And her books sound fascinating. I hadn't actually read her books before the show, but uh, yes, yeah, Spirit School. I love the name of it and everything, trying to get her up and running with her physical Spirit School, not just in a book. So reach out to Claudia if you're interested. You know, she said, thank you for kicking me up the you know, behind. So because she's been thinking about doing it for a while, but then there's that trepidation and fear and who wants to talk to me and all that sort of stuff we worry about as humans, don't we, judging ourselves. But, uh, yeah, wealth of information. Um, I invited her to come in as a guest to the Inner Sanctum in July 16th, 17th of July 16th in the US 17th in Australia, which is a Sunday here, Saturday afternoon, 4 p.m. Mountain Time, to meet you. If you want to join up, it's now I've opened the Inner Sanctum to guest teachers um, as a free or by donation basis. Just uh, pop your email on the uh, website. Inner Sanctum, Karen Swain slash inner-sanctum.com or karenswain.com slash inner-sanctum. Just pop your email in and I'll add you to the list and send out the Zoom link with the password to join us online and you can meet her and on Zoom and ask your questions. There are other questions that I didn't get to, uh, you know, talking to people in comas, why do really sick old people linger for weeks or even months or even years when they're just like this, like corpse in a bed and then there's no really um quality of life like why why would a soul choose to do that and anyway we was, we started talking about that afterwards and she had a lot to say about that like she's just got instant answers and uh yeah yeah many reasons for that and also we spoke about that it looks like they're alive but their body is operating but the soul's not in the body the soul's off doing other things flying around the cosmos while the body's lying there going dying and not eating and stuff like that and they're witnessing it from above and and us humans are looking at the body and, and thinking that we're talking to the person and they're not even in the body it's yeah, really interesting sometimes they are and sometimes they aren't um, we have a choice what we want to expect how much of the physical experience we want to experience we can pop out if it's a bit 
hideous. We can pop out and witness it from above. Like many people I've had on the show, I remember Nancy Hines, uh, Nancy, Nancy Rain. Oh, God, what's her last name? It's been a few years. Nancy Rines. I think that's it. Anyway, she's an atheist who was hit by a truck. And she said that, I loved this explanation. She said that she witnessed as she was being dragged under the truck. Uh, she had an NDE, obviously, after that, when she went into hospital. Witnessing it from outside the truck and being underneath the truck dragged underneath the truck simultaneously so she saw herself as two aspects experiencing it and witnessing it so it's really interesting isn't it we are so multi-dimensional we are so multi-layered like the message that claudia got last night in her spirit school multi-layered there's so many layers to us peeling back the skin we're not just this flesh body we are the multi-dimensional consciousness animating the body we are magnificent points of light extensions of the creator extensions of source energy infinite intelligence infinite infinite creative potential and every thought creates a reality and the more you keep thinking a thought the more you create a physical reality in this in this current reality that you're focused on we are magnificent powerful creators we really are and uh, what do you want to create? What are you focused on? What are you worried about? Stop worrying about, focus on what you want instead of what you don't want. What ifs, those what ifs. I've got a YouTube. I used to make YouTube little inspirational movies before I started interviewing or chatting, having conversations with people. And one of them is called What Ifs. Turn your what ifs into what if I got everything I wanted? What if I was healthy? What if I, I was uh, doing the work that uh, really lights me up and turns me on? And what if I made a huge difference to this world instead of the what ifs that we normally go into? What if it doesn't work? What if I lose all my money? What if I get sick and die from COVID? What if, what if, what if? Turn your what ifs around into what if I knew myself as a genius creator of my reality and I could flow my energy in a way that felt good to me created a beautiful exciting life and inspired and uplifted many others what if check out my little what if um it's right down on my youtube page you know if you if you click oldest instead of newest you'll find it there i uploaded about i don't know 12 years ago anyway yeah beautiful so claudia is going to come and speak to us in july and we can quiz her and ask her questions. Hopefully she'll get her spirit school, Zoom spirit school up by then. If not, we'll give her a taste of what it's like to have an audience asking her questions. So come and join us. And as I said to her, this Saturday, your time or US time, depending on where you are in the world and Europe, uh, Stephen Simon is coming in to meet us uh, Sunday here in Australia, Sunday mornings for us and uh, come and meet him if you want to come and meet him and quiz him about his experiences with his wife Lauren on the other side but not just that he's a wealth of knowledge about consciousness and spirituality and getting his message out through cinema through movies through the movies that he's made he's and he's you know he knows heaps of movie stars and heaps of really um uh famous if you like consciousness teachers like Neil Donald Walsh and the likes and um and he's a beautiful, wonderful man. So come and meet him if you want to come and meet him. If not, the recording will be on the YouTube channel or on my website. Thanks again for listening and watching. And uh, thanks again for sharing the shows. And 
telling other people to subscribe and all that good stuff. I really appreciate it when you share the shows and uh, and grow the channel because it's really it's not the channel's not about me. The channel's about the messages, the stories, the the teachings, the enlightenment. Share the love, spread the love. I really appreciate it. And remember to check out the book Awakened by Death if you haven't already. It's a good read and I'll catch you next time. Bye for now.